Hi, friends. How are we doing today? Well, thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us online. This morning, we conclude a series we've called Indescribable, in which we've endeavored to describe the indescribable God. And each week of the series, we've explored a different aspect of God's character. And for the last few weeks, we focused our attention on a passage in the book of Isaiah, which is commonly considered around Christmas time because it foretells the birth of King Jesus. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's take a moment before we begin and invite God to speak to us. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season. We're grateful for the music. We're grateful for the dinners and the parties. We're grateful for family and friends reunited. We're grateful for the memories. But most of all, we thank you for coming. We thank you for making our problem your problem, that we might know what it means to truly live. Now help us hear your voice today. Teach us to live like you, King. We pray this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Last month, babycenter.com released its annual baby name report which tracks the popularity of names given to children born over the last 12 months. Now, my name never seems to make the top 100. (laughs) Truth be told, people are more likely to name their boys Grayson and Grayson. They're more likely to select Kingston, Zion, or Atlas... They're even more likely to name their kids Jackson, Jackson, or Jackson than they are to name their boys Troy. (laughs) The report shows that name selection often follows cultural trends. After a vexing period of political turmoil and a pandemic, parents appear to be more hopeful, giving their children more aspirational names, such as dream, miracle, heaven, and destiny. Hollywood leaves an indelible imprint on naming patterns. Since the release of the Oscar award-winning Encanto, Maribel has shot up 500 spots on the list. Isabella is up 134 spots, while Julieta is up 93. The popular television series Yellowstone has inspired the rise of Western-inspired names, with Case climbing 500 spots, followed by Rep gaining 300. Additionally, the name Dutton catapulted 1,800 spots on the list for baby boys. The coastal grandmother trend that all of you are talking about, I'm sure, has influenced more than just fashion interior design. Vintage baby names have seen renewed attention, including May, Mabel, Hazel, and Eloise. And invariably each year, celebrity drama impacts the monikers that parents pick. 
This year marked the decline of the names Will and Smith and Jada and Chris. Amber fell 176 spots while Johnny Rose 16. The name Elon dropped 450 spots. And believe it or not, Kanye plummeted 3,410 places since this time last year. Well, in the ancient Semitic world, one's name was rich in meaning. A name was identified with one's reputation. A name revealed an individual's character. Often one's name foretold one's destiny. When the Bible speaks of God's name, it refers not just to his titles, but his very essence, his essential nature. And today I want to take, talk to you about the meaning and the message behind the name given to Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And he will be called Prince of Peace. This morning we're going to talk about peace. Peace when life doesn't go according to plan. Peace when love doesn't go according to plan. Peace when the deal doesn't go through. Peace when your friend doesn't come through. Today, I want to talk to you about experiencing a pervasive sense of peace that's stronger than stress and louder than fear. We usually think of fear and dread drowning out quiet serenity. But what if you experienced a peace that overpowers anxiety with the sheer force of its volume? That's what Paul's praying for. And one of my favorite prayers in the Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Here, peace translates the Greek word irene. But for Paul, it has its roots in the Hebrew word shalom. Though it's typically translated peace, this Hebrew word has less to do with the absence of something and more to do with the presence of something. You see, shalom means well-being. It means satisfaction, fulfillment, completion. Shalom is a state of wholeness. It's a rich fullness in every area of life, your career, your connection to God, your relationships with kids, with colleagues. Now, whether we call it shalom or not, it's the goal of every human being we chase shalom in a variety of different ways maybe you think success will bring you shalom maybe you think marriage will bring you shalom maybe you think divorce will bring you shalom but Paul looks to one source and one source only the Lord of peace Isaiah calls him the prince of peace and look how Paul describes this peace it's a peace that keeps you peaceful at all times and in every way. But friends, if we want to experience that peace personally, you and I are going to need to come close to its source. You see, peace is a person. So put yourself in his presence. What are you worried about this weekend? Maybe you're afraid you won't make your fourth quarter numbers. Maybe 
you have a difficult conversation in your near future and you're wondering if you'll be able to say everything that needs to be said and say it in a way they can hear it. Maybe you're worried about what they'll say in response. What if he snaps? What if she bites back and, and blames it all on you? Or maybe you went to a doctor for a scan. They saw something. They want to do more tests. Friends, we've got to find a way to take this promise of peace and move it from Christian cliche to Christian experience because I'm getting tired of panic. I'm growing weary of that feeling of fright when my stomach sinks to my shoes. Do any of you know that feeling? Or, Or maybe for you, it's a numbing sense of dread that's settled into your soul and you see no sign of it moving out anytime soon. For some, this last year could be described as too many tasks and too many kids, but too little money and too little time, and you can't seem to catch a break. For others, you'd say you're no closer to your dream than you were 12 months ago, and that thought steals your joy. As the expectations of others that others have for you rise, your expectations for yourself are dashed on the stone-cold surface of reality because you thought you'd be in a better place in your career by now. You thought things would be different. As you journey through life, instead of finding rest, you're weary and restless. What you do is never enough. Your best doesn't measure up. And of course, you'd love to get away. You'd love to carve out a couple weeks to recoup. But who are you kidding? You'd just come right back to the noise, the stress, the disappointment, and the pain. Well, if that's you, then it is to you, my friend, that Jesus offers a promise. Every year, once a year, I try to make it a point to review this promise for us as a church community. See, it's a promise that all disciples of Jesus, I believe, need to comprehend if we are going to thrive in life. It's found in John sixteen thirty three. Jesus promises, in this world, you will have trouble. Now listen very carefully. If you're new to a journey of faith, if you're investigating to see if you should follow Jesus, I want you to grasp this at the outset. Jesus never promises a problem-free existence. But even as I tell you that, I won't be surprised when you're surprised by the trouble you find people who have journeyed with Jesus for decades, people who have been bored to tears by years of my sermons. Oh my word, he's going there again. John 16, 33, blah, 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 blah. Well, those faithful, committed followers of Jesus, just like the disciples of Jesus in the first century, are often still surprised when problems get personal. And blessed it, I get caught off guard. I got a plan. The plan is good. The plan is God. Then the plan comes apart. Then I say, really, God? But he gently points me back to this verse. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't be surprised when trouble comes. And don't be surprised when you're surprised that trouble comes. 
Apparently that reaction is common among Christ followers in spite of his clarity. In an ironic twist of faith, when Jesus tells us that trouble will come, a lot of us don't believe him. But but friends, if you want peace, it's not enough to expect times of trouble. If you want peace, it's not enough to expect times of doubt. No, I recommend taking action before you doubt and during your doubt. That's why I'm telling you, peace is a person, so put yourself in his presence. See, it's okay if your faith shakes from time to time, as long as it's sitting on something that won't shake when you shake. We see Jesus make this point when we read John 16, 33 as a whole. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Note the contrast. He promises problems. He promises peace. The source of problems is the world. The source of peace is what? His presence. But friends, we have a dilemma like we've seen so often. We live our lives as God's people with one foot on earth and one foot in heaven. No wonder we have so much trouble seeing him in crisis. But but here's the truth. The happiest people in life are not people with fewer problems. The happiest people in life are people with greater peace. That's what you need. Peace. That wonderful shalom of God. Are you looking for it in the right place? Too too often we seek shalom by striving to look young and beautiful. Or or we seek it through our children. Or we seek it through financial security. Some of us seek it in the admiration of others. We're desperate to find shalom through our careers. We spend our lives pursuing shalom. And that pursuit has created some of the greatest problems in the history of humankind, hasn't it? Because we chase shalom in the wrong places in the wrong ways for the wrong reasons. Now look, Jesus doesn't promise that in this world you will win the lottery and marry a supermodel. Now for you, maybe winning the lottery and marrying a supermodel sounds great. Maybe it is great. But it isn't shalom. The wisest among us know that peace is preferred. And for the record, we didn't finish reading John 16, 33. See, without reading the rest of the verse, you you may have gotten the impression that if you ask Jesus to fix your problems, he'll give you peace as a consolation prize while you slog through your wretched existence on planet Earth. No. While peace is an essential part of the plan, it's not the whole plan. Again, we read, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus came to set the world right side up again. He came to bring heaven on earth. He came to redeem the world. And he asks us to trust him as that process gets worked out. That's right here we could have a theoretical conversation about how Christ's kingdom is coming little by little, life by life. That's an important conversation to have. But today, let's keep things personal. Because you probably don't need an abstract discussion of the problem of pain. You just need peace. 
tell you something that baffles me. Suffering suffocates faith in some people. Well, it gives birth to it in others. I don't know why. I wish I could explain it, but I can't. However, there, there may be an indication of why in these words of Jesus. See, when I, when I face trouble and tragedy, Jesus hands me a couple things I can do. First, he says I can take heart. Now, as I read these words, Tharseo in Greek, um, I wish I could point you to a better translation of that verb. Almost all our modern translations offer the same translation. Take heart. The older translation is even less helpful. Be of good cheer. <laughs> and you know what it sounds like? It sounds like buck up. Which feels very invalidating when you face trouble and tragedy. But, but this word here means something a little more serious and a little more challenging than that. When that word in Greek was used to translate Hebrew words from the Old Testament, it almost is, it's almost always, it almost always translates the word fear not. See, uh, Tim Keller suggests it means to dare. As in, when you face trouble, dare to trust in the one who's overcome the world. Live like it's true, even though you're not always sure it's true. I dare you. Tharseo, take heart. It's about showing courage. It's about being brave. But bravery is not the absence of fear. Bravery is facing what you fear. Now, in order to do that, you're going to need peace. You need peace as the pressure keeps building. You need peace as the bills keep coming. You need peace to, to keep your cool when your spouse loses hers. Uh, think about it. If you found peace, you might actually be able to sleep through the night. If you found peace, your family might enjoy being around you again. If you found peace, you'd find hope and joy and strength if you found peace but where do you find it well that brings us back to the prayer that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica now he says may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way friends this is a prayer that I think we need to start praying over ourselves and our loved ones on a regular basis May you, the Lord of peace, give me peace at all times and in every way. Start praying it. However, as you pray it, don't overlook the obvious. Starting with that title, Lord. Look, I have no doubt, every one of us, no matter where we find ourselves on the spiritual journey, long for peace. We, we pine for God to give us peace. But here's the problem. You can't expect him to be your prince of peace if he's not your prince. He, he can only be your lord of peace if he's lord of your life. No, I'm, I'm not saying you can earn peace by being perfect. You can't. You can't earn peace and you can't be perfect. But the good news is you don't have to. It's not about earning. It's about 
turning. Turning to God by trusting His grace and trusting His way of living. And hear me, do you realize if your heart is sincere toward Him, you can make Him your Prince of Peace with a single prayer. Paul's prayer concludes with that wonderful promise we see woven throughout the Bible. The Lord be with all of you. It's the promise of Christmas, isn't it? Emmanuel, God with us. Peace is found in his presence. It's wonderful. But maybe you're wondering, how can I live a life that God is with? That's a good question. It's a wise question. Frankly, it's God's grace from start to finish. But as far as it depends upon you, I encourage you to consider these words from Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. Here the prophet says, The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Did you know those words were in the Bible? They sound harsh at first, but they're not really harsh if you think about it. See, the people who who don't get to be with God are the people who don't want to be with God. He's only given them what they want. Now, of course, those of you who know him will testify God in his grace continues to reach out again and again, even to those who forsake him. But just understand, he'll respect your decision. My advice is to seek him. See, peace is a person. So put yourself in his presence. Then I want you to see the nature of the peace that he promises. Look look back at Paul's prayer. He says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Huh. See, it, it, it's a peace that's present in any and every circumstance. It's not just a peace when everything's peaceful. I, this is a true story. I experienced the most wonderful, peaceful phenomenon this week. Something astonishing happened to me on Thursday that would almost guarantee peace for anyone who experiences it. The best way for me to explain it is to simply show you a screenshot of my iPhone. (laughs) My friends, do you know what that means? In my life, an empty inbox means there is a God in the universe who loves us and inserts himself into our world in miraculous ways. Seriously, I wouldn't have been surprised if as I I responded to the last email in my inbox, Christ returned in all his glory because an empty inbox is a great source of peace for me. For five seconds. Until more emails fill it up again. As I speak to you today, my inbox is refilling which would rob me of my peace if my peace were dependent upon an empty inbox. Frankly, today, 
I couldn't care less about an empty inbox. In fact, there's one email in particular that's not in my inbox that I wish were in my inbox. See, I'm waiting on an email. It's not there now. I want it to be. Maybe it'll come tonight. Maybe it'll come at the end of this message when I say grace and peace. But right when I say peace, my phone will vibrate and tell me the email has arrived. But friends, I need a peace that holds me together even if the email never arrives. I need a peace that's present at all times and in every way. You need that kind of peace? Let me ask you about your faith. Has your faith been shaken lately? How sturdy is your faith this Christmas? Is it growing? Is it getting bigger? Is it getting stronger? Or is your faith shrinking, dwindling? Maybe your faith's getting pummeled on all sides and you can't stand up. Or, or maybe it's not even that. Maybe you just feel drained. You're worn out. Or you're worn down and worn out. You're physically, emotionally, mentally exhausted. You've lost your song. You've lost your joy. Or, or, or maybe, maybe your faith is being tested because, because God's asking you to do something difficult. Maybe he's asking you to love someone who's hard to love. Maybe he's asking you to forgive. Maybe he's saying you should start dating again. Maybe, maybe today you're just sad. You're grieving. Your heart's broken. You can't seem to find all the pieces. Oh, my friend, in this moment, wouldn't you love to have the kind of faith that could pull you from the depths, a faith that could bring strength from weakness, joy from sorrow? But if you're honest with yourself, your faith's being shaken. Your legs have been knocked out from under you. College has disappointed you. A relationship has disappointed you. A mentor has disappointed you. God has disappointed you. Maybe your faith, your foundational belief about God is being shaken as it smacks against real life. Now, if that's you, I'll just remind you, peace is a person. So put yourself in his presence. Peace is a person. So put yourself in his presence. Look, I'll speak from personal experience here. If you want to find peace at all times and in every way, then you got to seek him at all times and in every way. you got to put yourself in his presence at all times and in every way. That, that means you got to put yourself in his presence when you're frustrated, when you're afraid, and when you don't feel like it. But see, that's something we can do. Many of us are familiar with the writing of Ann Voskamp. And, and her husband, her farmers in North, or southwestern Ontario. She's a homeschooling mother of seven and a popular writer and speaker. Her book, 1,000 Gifts, was on the New York Times bestsellers list for 60 weeks. She writes regularly on a blog, which is one of the most widely read Christian blogs in the world. Now, I want to read to you from an entry 
that was posted by Anne over 15 years ago. I, I, I read it when she wrote it, but I recalled it this week. As I read it, I hope God speaks to you as he spoke to me when I first read Anne's words. I'll read them in their entirety. Anne writes, Peace isn't a place we live in. The house and me spins laundry, school lessons, library books, basketball games, bills, phone calls, meals, dishes, women's Bible studies, diapers. Too often, I am dizzy. Anyone know how to get off? In the whirl of it all, I crave retreat, sanctuary, monastery. On the milestone of my 30th birthday a few years ago, my sister-in-law presented me with a journal embossed with one simple word, peace. I cried. It was all I wanted. Just that one simple, frustratingly elusive word, peace. The homeschooling mother of then five young children, eight years of age and under, I was desperate at a breaking point for some place of serenity. I held the journal in my hands, lips trembling, tears streaming. Peace. How could I find it? I had to find it. I went for walks down through the woods, sat by the pond, journaled, prayed. Peace was short-lived. The angst tightening its relentless grip as I walked home. How could I fold art study into our school days? How how could I make weekly, even monthly date times with each of the children? How might I persuade the baby to sleep through the night so that I could be a more attentive wife? She writes, I went away to a cottage for a few days and soaked in the Psalms. Peace pooled around my toes, wetting me, quenching me, and then ebbed away again. Lost at sea, as waves of worries flooded in. How could I balance my own creative intellectual pursuits, my own spiritual growth, in the midst of the paramount endeavor of discipling these little people for God's glory? I I had thought somewhere quiet would ensure peace. It didn't. I was still in my skin. Peace wasn't a place I could find on a map or even a place that I could create. Peace wasn't a place to live in. She writes, I came home to the noise, embraced the kids, and laughed loud and long. Peace wasn't out there. He was here. Peace was a person I could listen to. No matter how boisterous and chaotic it gets in here, the the Prince of Peace has moved in too living here in the midst of this rambunctious, exuberant family. In the rush and roar of it all, I have to bend my ear to catch it. Listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. Psalm 85, verse 8. She says he leans down low, and if I choose to listen carefully, do you see that? If I choose to listen carefully, over the cry of the baby, the screams of the toddler, the stomp of the disgruntled student, and the beep of the stove timer, I hear his voice, low and soft. Peace. 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 I crawl out of bed, 
ready to get dressed and head out, not to some rustic respite in the mountains somewhere, but into the fray of family living. For the Lord of peace himself gives me his peace at all times and in every situation. How do I find peace in the crush of motherhood? Peace may come fleetingly as a reviving necessary place. But like a fog burning off in the heat of the day, peace as a place will dissipate. For enduring peace, look for a person whispering the word softly to your anxious heart. Peace, peace, peace. She says, seek a person, the very Lord of peace, who's willing to give you his own abiding, unwavering peace. Places come and go, tokens and pictures tucked in scrapbooks, tickets and reservations are expensive. The cost of coffee adds up. This person, though, he will never leave you, nor forsake you. And as close as breath upon your cheek, peace is a person with whom we live, keep company with, commune with. Here and now above the den, peace, peace. And ends her blog entry with a prayer. Lord, I find peace wherever, whatever, when I live in you. Please, Lord, today, let your peace fall softly, come what may. Friends, I think Anne is on to something. Peace isn't a place. Maybe peace isn't even a pace. Peace is a person. And simply personalizes the questions we're asking. How do you find peace in the crush of motherhood? How do you find peace in the crush of small business ownership? How do you find peace as a single parent? How do you find peace as a single? The question changes from person to person. Maybe the answer remains the same. Peace is a person. So put yourself in his presence. Now, I'd like to conclude our time together with a prayer and a song. But it won't be a normal time of prayer. In fact, you can keep your eyes open if you want. Because I'm going to talk to you, then I'm going to pray over you. And the prayer I will pray is a simple one. May the Prince of Peace give you peace. Now first, I want to pray for those who face uncertainty today. Maybe you're waiting. Waiting on a decision about a job offer. Waiting on the date of a surgery. Waiting for an email. You're waiting. But, but you have no control over the timetable or the outcome. Or, or maybe you have a decision to make and you have full control over the timetable and the outcome. And that doesn't make you feel any better. Your circumstances are uncertain and you need wisdom. So for you, I pray, may the Prince of Peace give you Maybe you made a decision, but it was the wrong decision. And today you're staring failure in the face. For you, I pray, 
May the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe the burden you bear is grief. You're grieving your failed marriage, the death of a loved one, the death of a dream. And you don't know what to do with all the feelings. Oh, my friend, may the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe the burden you bear is shame. And a shame feels more personal than failure. Because you hurt someone. You betrayed someone you care about. You embarrassed your family, your kids, yourself. If the burden you bear is shame, my friend, may the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe your heart's been broken. And you long for healing. Maybe you've been betrayed or or abandoned and you're struggling to forgive. Maybe someone you love has cut you out of their life. And it's a family member or a fellow follower of Jesus, which makes it feel much worse. And in a sense, it is worse. I ache with you, dear friend. May the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe you're growing weary of the pressure. You're not facing a particular problem, per se, and that's the problem. You found success. But you're wondering if you can produce the same results again, and everybody's looking to you. You're the leader. You're not just responsible for your family. You're bearing the burden of your employees' families. Sometimes it feels lonely at the top. So I pray he meets you at the top. May the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe you have a colleague whose poor performance is preventing your success and you don't know what to do. Maybe you manage someone who's managing you. Or at least they manage to make your life miserable. Maybe it's your boss. She's impossible to please. He's fickle, flighty, angry, arrogant. Maybe you're a victim of harassment. Oh God, my friend. May the Prince of Peace may he give you peace. Maybe you need peace in your marriage. When your husband leaves you to clean the kitchen alone again. When your wife rips you apart with her words again. My friend, may the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe you need peace in your singleness. Oh, I pray you find someone to love. But not if you're doing so to fill a hole in your soul that could never fill. That won't bring peace. But if you're sick of being single, may the Prince of Peace give you peace. Maybe you need peace with your children. Maybe your kids are out of control. Or rather, they're in control of you, of your feelings. They know just what to say to get their way. Hey, parenting's a heck of a lot harder than it looks on TV, right? Maybe you have a teen who won't listen or a teen who won't talk. Maybe you have an adult child who's made a series of poor choices and they're pressuring you to bail them out again. Maybe your kid's running from God. 
Or maybe you have no children, but you long for children. I know how you feel. Susan and I went years and years without kids. Oh, my friend, we have a prince of peace. Give you peace. Before we leave today, we want to introduce you to a simple song that's a prayer for peace. May you open your heart to God as Tim shares it with you. so big and my faith just seems so small so hold me Jesus as I'm shaking like a leaf you have been king of my glory won't you be my prince of peace and I wake up in the night and fill the dark It's so hot inside my soul I swear there must be blisters on my heart So hold me Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be my prince of peace Surrender don't come natural to me I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want Than take what you give that I need And I've beat my head so many walls Now I'm falling down, falling on my knees And the Salvation Army band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory, won't you be my prince of peace? So hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? And I surrender all. Yes, I surrender all and it's all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all Lord I pray for my friends 
who desperately need to experience you as the Prince of Peace today. May they sense you very near. pray that this Christmas you would help everyone who's listening to this message in this room online Lord I pray they have such a real such a potent experience of your presence that it crowds out the anxiety that overtakes the fear that it absorbs all the stress and the striving such such that we're transformed. Lord, I want this experience of your presence to be so transformed that it changes the way we think and it changes the way we feel about everything in our life. Such that we walk the earth knowing, knowing that we're, we're, we're living our life under the reign of this Prince of Peace who's overcome the world. Give us, give us the faith to take heart. And help us to do what we need to do to reconnect with you in this season. What a perfect season to reconnect with you. Lord, I pray for the individual who is not, not sure what they think of all this. Lord, I pray they have such a deep and abiding experience of you. that they might entrust their whole life to you this Christmas. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to give you a few assignments for the week, friends. And here's one. I want you to ask Jesus to be your Prince of Peace. And for some, that can just be a simple prayer as you reconnect to God. But I'm actually looking for something even more significant. I'm talking to those of you who've really never made him the prince of your life, the Lord of your life. It really is simple. Now, you've got to mean it. But what if this Christmas you made that decision to pray your own prayer? You don't have to have a big, fluffy, flowery theological prayer with a bunch of these and thous in it. Keep it simple. Be my Prince of Peace. Be the Lord of my life. Maybe that's a prayer you need to pray this week. I encourage you to do it, friend. I encourage you to do it. For all of you, I'm going to advise you, do something every day that puts you in God's presence. 
do something every day. It, it, this could be something as, as obvious as praying or reading the Bible or, or listening to worship music. Great, great, great. Here's what I'll say, though. If whatever you're doing isn't working, do something else. There are a thousand things you could do. And what works for you may not work for me, and what worked for you six months ago may not work today. So do something else. But do something every day that puts you in God's presence. Here's something that I've been doing uh, throughout this season, and, and maybe you'll find it helpful. John Ortberg has created a series of videos um, that he calls Become New videos. You can access them through a website, becomenew.me, or you could just go to YouTube, and they're all there, and they're all free, and they're these powerful 10, 12-minute videos that, that Ortberg creates. He releases one about every weekday, and they're just potent ways to, to connect you to Jesus. They'll put you in God's presence. He's right now he's working through an Advent series. And you, you can find that on YouTube. You can just see. The month of November, he did a whole series on gratitude. Right? There, these are just simple things that you can do. Thousands of people are doing these around the world with, with John Ortberg. Maybe you should add yourself to the list. It's just a simple way to connect to God, okay? Um, Eric told you a moment ago, we really want you to join us for a New Year's Eve worship night. So remember, we're changing services for the rest of the year. Everybody remember? Don't come on Sunday. But on New Year's Eve on the 31st, um, we're, we're going to consolidate. I know a lot of people will be out of town because of the holiday. But we're going to try to consolidate our church down to one service. I don't, that's been a lot of years since we've done that. So we'll see how that goes. But the holiday fell in such a way we thought we'd experiment with a worship night. We're going to do that right here in this room. It's our Salt Lake location to those of you who are joining us online. And, and if you've not been to a worship night, at, how many have been to a worship night at Capitol? Okay. They're, a, they're a, a good time. And we do things a little differently. But what we've seen pretty consistently is, is God showing up and doing work in our hearts as individuals, in our hearts as a community. And I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to come. Frankly, it's one of the most important things we're doing in this season as a community. So join us on the 31st at 7 p.m. Uh, We've we mentioned this in the announcements the last couple of weeks, but I want to highlight it right here. It, it's, it's that during that gathering, we are going to baptize some people. Now, we don't know how many people are going to get baptized. It may just be a handful, which is great. But, but I want to bring this to your attention. Because some of you are, are, maybe you're new to this journey of faith and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. This is something he's invited all of his followers to do. It's something that, that symbolizes what he's done in us, how we're, we're, we've died to ourselves and been raised to new life in him, okay? And, and we do it right here in this room. Um, and, and we'd love for you to, to be a part of that. So if you're new to faith and you haven't been baptized, please send us an email, info at capitalchurch.com. We'll tell you more about baptism and, and what it looks like. Uh, and one of our pastors will talk to you about that, okay? Um, another thing, another person I want to talk to is the, 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 the follower of Jesus who's been a follower of Jesus forever. And, and I mean, like, you've been following Jesus for like 33 years, and you haven't been baptized. 
Now you were going to be baptized like 26 years ago. You had this plan and, and you were going to do this and you were baptized at your old church. You're going to get baptized at your old church, but then your, your sister ended up leaving town and she couldn't be there. So you're going to wait and do it. But then, then you never got around to it. Then the, you got sick and then the pastor got sick and this and that and this and that. And here you are 33 years later. Okay. I get it. Can I say this? Grace to you. Oh, good night. Don't overthink this. Let's get baptized, okay? December 31st, right here in this room, 7 p.m. I want you to email us, info at capitalchurch.com, okay? Stand with me. There's a verse for the week. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. We read it a moment ago, friends. Take this image, download it, pray it over yourself, pray it over your loved ones. That image and the graphic that follows will be available for you to download. So be watching from our website and our social media accounts. If you'd like to receive prayer, we'll have people here at the front for, to pray for you. You can always email us, care at capitalchurch.com. Those of you who, who are joining us online, please take us up on that. Because we have people who, who love to pray over your needs. Um, before you go, I do want to remind you about Christmas Eve. Our, our gatherings will be at 2.30 p.m. and 4 p.m right here in Salt Lake. We're going to gather at 6.30 p.m. in Park City if you'd like to come to a later service on the holiday. Look, if you've never been a part of a Christmas Eve service at Capitol, we we weave together the message and the music throughout our time. And I really hope you can join us this coming weekend. And I've got one more request. Eric mentioned it, but I'll repeat it. Will you consider inviting someone to come with you to one of these services? Maybe there's a friend or a family member or or a colleague who might respond to a simple invitation. Or is is there someone within our own community, someone you haven't seen for a while? Would you send them an email? Pop them a text? Give them a call? And save them a seat on Christmas Eve? Thanks for listening, friends. Here's what I want to pray for you. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord be with all of you. Thanks for coming to Capitol today. Grace and peace.